0: Hello, welcome back to Dr. Introspect TV, and it's your host, Dr. Introspect, and I'm back. Today I am dropping our official second installment of podcast here on this platform, and today we will be doing an analysis on the 11 season show, Shameless. If you're new to the channel, on the Dr. Introspect TV podcast, we do analysis that take perspectives that vary from psychology, philosophy, and even sociology, among other fields of subject matters, to derive insights from contemporary entertainment in the form of movies, television shows, and even books. We pick up the lessons and we find how we can apply them to our lives. Essentially, we tell the stories behind the stories. You can catch our full in-depth review analysis on our YouTube channel at Dr. Introspect TV. But today, we're bringing this to you here. So... uh. When I, when I think of Shameless, I think of a really humorous show that is also quite sad. It, it's, it takes a satirical view on concepts like generational trauma, abuse, addiction, among other things. Shameless is a show that when you think about the kind of things that are happening in this story uh, and you take Frank Gallagher the character for example the ridiculousness of the extent of his damage it's it makes for interesting entertainment but If you just take a step back and just picture this happening in a real-life scenario. You think about a real family going through this. And then you realise this is really, really terrible. This is horrible. So I found myself watching this show and laughing and at the same time feeling terrible for laughing it's like you know dark humor and so I sat down for about a month and I went through the entire 10 seasons and I guess going through it that way gave me an insight into the depth and richness of this story and there's really quite a lot to unpack here and this is probably the highest number of seasons I have done at a go but we'll see what we can do and the show starts off in season one episode one Frank Gallagher describes his family and for those of you that do not know he is seen as a narcissistic character that also has substance abuse addiction issues so because it's a fictional story it's very hard to analyze whether he is someone suffering from a narcissistic disorder or if his narcissism is induced by his alcohol addiction nonetheless there is instances of abuse on his children and his family and it's not necessarily in the form of but of course we did see that there was physical abuse there were times he would beat his children um and get physical with them but for the most part it was just abandonment and neglect um, that many of these children had to go through and we find that many of them had to parent themselves and also parent the parent because they had very highly irresponsible parents and at the beginning of season one as i said earlier Frank Gallagher describes his family and he paints this very positive picture and of course he angridizes himself, you know, places himself on this pedestal like and he describes himself as this wonderful shepherd of a parent that is leading his children and his family and of course, you know you know he's looking at it through the narcissistic lens in the sense that there is a lot of aggrandization and grandiosity and it's like he is in this other world where he sees things different from how they are in in reality. Frank Gallagher demonstrated many of the traits of narcissism, we saw that grandiosity, we saw that entitlement. I mean this is a man that was really really smart, got into not western and he left and you know he is still a really smart man. I like to think that Frank's ultimate superpower is his mouth. He has the silver tongue, he could sell snow to Eskimos or something like he also had this captivating charisma that when he spoke, even if he was speaking gibberish, you would just listen because of the way he commanded the crowd. And from early on I saw this and I said, Ooh, Frank has a tendency of probably forming a cult. And so it wasn't surprising when several seasons later we found that he banded with a group of homeless people and he was somehow forcing the government to give them money and take care of them and things like that of course people like frank despite having all his gifts you know his talent his smarts his ingenuity his charisma his horrible habits will always rub him off his successes You know, either he takes all the money and squanders it off to fund his alcohol addiction. Mm. Or he he thinks he can rip people off because he feels entitled to to it. Or because he feels that they're suckers and they're dumb so they deserve Mm. him doing that to them. Or one thing or the other of that sort. So... So it was always kind of disappointing to see how he would always somehow end up at the bottom, regardless of the opportunity, regardless of, you know, exploitations or anything like that. Frank always somehow ends up at the bottom. He won a huge payout, and somehow, because he was drunk, he signed off the money to charity and that money could have helped him and his family and that was gone as well so that's quite tragic i have to say in the story a lot of things are very real here and what i mean is that not necessarily that the story is true life but i mean that it could happen in real life and frank has been through everything he's had his organs stolen he has been induced into a coma he has had alcohol poisoning several times he has he has survived cancer like Frank has been through it all so it wasn't surprising when we got to the final season and he died because irrespective of how charming this character is in some way he is kind of a villain in the story because he is ruining the lives of his children so It only made sense for him to die you know it just made sense like he had to die this had to be his payback for everything although I have to say in the real world it doesn't always happen this way you know in the real world you have families where they have toxic parents that go on to live till they're like a hundred years old and old enough to keep on abusing the grandchildren and even great grandchildren if they had any. So I wasn't so surprised by that ending, but. The way the story goes, it really allows us to see much depth into each character, not just Frank's. You see how they became who they are. So, first three seasons, you find yourself really hating Frank. Like, this is such a horrible man. I mean, if you do have compassion for the struggle that the family's going through, you just cannot imagine why someone so irresponsible will have that many children we're talking about six kids here and not care for any of them and then you meet Frank's mother and you find out that she herself spent was in prison she was making meth and drugs and selling them and she also abused her child Frank physically and she also neglected him and all of that happened and it wasn't just Frank it was the siblings as well and then you start to get this bird's eye view on what's going on you can now see that this is a generational cycle you can now see that this is something that just keeps on going and i was pretty sure if they allowed the story to go even further you'd see that frank's mum or frank's dad was also abused and it just continued and now we hear and we see six kids and i'm just watching it the entire time and we go for 11 seasons only seeing how each of the six kids are towing that line in one way or the other towing that line and heading in the same direction like their own father if you look into the story i often wondered this story is so good it is so reflective of the situation Of abuse in homes with children growing up and when I found out that the writers actually wanted it to be that way and they wrote it in such a way that they were trying to depict the family roles and dynamics in addictive homes where you have the caretaker the scapegoat child you know the golden child the lost child you know the codependent parent, all of that thing going on. You could definitely see it in the dynamics of the children. You know, you have the clown, and um, I think Ian was supposed to be like a lost child, and you have Fiona being a caretaker, and that was really obvious here. Fiona started taking care of these children as early as sixteen, seventeen when their mother walked out on them the mother left and she just had to quit high school to take care of her siblings and step up because her father wasn't going to do it and uh, fiona in this story demonstrated a whole lot of codependency um you can check out my codependency video it was the first video we posted on the channel if you just wanted to get some insights on that topic we will be posting more on that in the future but yes Fiona demonstrated in fact all of these children were codependent in one way or the other and for Fiona she found that self-sacrifice in nature was the way she could derive a sense of self and a sense of worth and she had to feel like she was valued and loved because of all the sacrifice she was doing people with codependency also always have issues with boundaries so you could see when the brother lip the one that is really smart so he's taken the role of the family clown and lip was a really smart guy that used to write sat exams for people and get paid for it And it was just so ironic because I would think that someone that has been this smart that can score all the points would get his life together and take the exam for himself and get like a really good scholarship and go to school and you know just create a better path for your future and stuff but what we saw here is that for he was doing the opposite he just he didn't even want to go to college he didn't want to apply nothing like that he was being begged by everyone he was being begged by professors his sisters and like i said fiona had this boundary problem and she laid it down that if he wasn't going to go to college she was going to kick him out of the house basically and she couldn't let him make that mistake on his own we always found fiona kind of you know, not really noticing the boundaries, and it's a thing in their house. You know, um, it's how they brought they it's how they were brought up. No one showed them these things. You know, so you want to really get mad when you're watching this show. You're like, how could you do that? And then you realize these things are skills. Self-love is a skill. Being being interdependent and not codependent or just completely independent is a skill. Learning how to respect people's boundaries is a skill and if you grew up in an environment where no one taught you how to do that, you're always going to do what you know, which is the wrong thing. Um, When I look at lip, Lip's situation is the one that I feel that closely mirrored Frank. Among all of the children, Lip looked like the child that I felt was most likely going to end up like Frank. He had started drinking pretty young. I mean, all of them one way or the other. But he had started drinking really early. And you know, like I said, as the story goes, they explore the characters even more. And when we found out that he had started drinking really young as a child they didn't teach them how to manage their feelings so all of them the moment that they experience strong emotion they either act out by getting to fight lashing out you know using strong words or they soothe themselves with drugs or alcohol most likely alcohol and it's almost always alcohol because that's what they saw their parents do we see this with frank every time things got so serious he would disappear and he would go to a bar somewhere or on the street and just drink himself out when he lost his wife when he lost his mom and he died he just disappeared nobody knew where he was he just went and he drowned his feelings in alcohol he couldn't he, he is incapable of processing emotion because it's so painful he never learned how to do it and you see it with the children as well especially with lip when lip would get angry or when he wouldn't get his way on something you know when someone told him no he and he felt entitled to get what he wanted he would lash out and he would drink and when he would drink he would start breaking things and slashing things and just seeing lip spiral was so heartbreaking because he seemed like the kid that stood the most chance that had the most chance to you know do something better for himself and it just seemed like a waste of smart talent everything lip also found it hard to open himself up to people that could love him you know he was often in string affairs of relationships with women that treated him like an object they objectified him you know it was just sex Or just transactional in that kind of way and nothing deeper and he would push away someone that loved him and I believe it's because deep down in his core he never got that love from his family he never got it from his mom or dad and so he has internalized it as him not being worthy of love another character that seemed to Probably have another chance was Debbie when I watched Debbie just grow and it's like you see them so young and you're like so much potential you know they always seem like they have good heads on their shoulders when they're young like Debbie would tell Fiona she's wrong for keeping secrets she's wrong you know she seemed to really have her wits about her and Like, she was a girl that knew what she wanted and where she wanted to go and what she wanted to do. She was really smart. However, the curse that is that of generational trauma, or I'd call it the Gallagher's curse, it did catch up to her because by the time Debbie starts hitting her teenage years, she starts going through it, you know. It was around that time that her mother died. And like I said, it really did affect the family. And these are children that on a normal day, if mental health access was just available, they needed that. They watched their mom die. Like that was a horrible, traumatic experience. I believe that all the children struggle with fear of abandonment, including Frank okay all of them struggle with that fear after that Debbie really felt like her mum died you know obviously the mum wasn't there she didn't love them but I always say all children love their parents and no matter how evil a parent has been especially when they're little and young if the parent changes comes back promises to do better they will most likely open their arms and take them in. So there's always a string of hope at the back of your mind that, you know, if mom could just get it right and came back, I'll be happy, I'll forgive her, everything will be great. And when the mom dies like that, it kind of terminates the hope. It's so final in that you know that you never got to have that love and you're never going to get it now because she's gone so for Debbie she started looking for love and affection outside she wanted something that was constant and that's why she wanted a boyfriend she wanted to start having sex and it wasn't necessarily about ex- experiencing that pleasure of sex or the intimacy but more so but more so feeling like that level of bond and intimacy will keep the person close and then when that doesn't work she wants a baby so she she now starts trying to have a baby with the person because okay if we have a baby together that means you're not going to leave me right? If I have a kid together, that means you're not going to leave me. And even if you leave me, well, at least I have a kid. I have a kid that I brought into this world. My kid, my child will love me forever. That is a guaranteed love. They will love me. And. Having a kid that young meant she had to sacrifice her education, and you know, she didn't really have to. But she kind of had to, and she was very headstrong about it, Fiona and her were having a big fight about it, she wanted to remove her from the house because she wants to go on and make this horrible decision instead of, you know, terminating the pregnancy but she was so headstrong about it and I believe deep down she knows she made a mistake not necessarily because having a child is a mistake but her reasons for wanting to have a child were as a result of that she had to deal with the consequences of not being able to finish her high school I mean she was a really smart girl she took her GED in one day without having to study and she scored high marks you know and she could have still gone on to college but of course if you're going to take on that kind of ordeal you need support you need to provide for your child and then you need someone to take care of the child while you are you know studying and she did try to manage and juggle that in high school for a bit before she decided to leave because it was just not feasible for her but as you know, these are consequences that she has to deal with for the decision that she went on to make. Debbie was a girl that had so much potential for so much more and it was just sad again. we In the end, we had a family of, by the time we get to season 4, 11 all five of them did not finish high school, did not go to college. For Ian his own story is kind of sad because um, we get to see how he is affected by the bipolar diagnosis and of course it took a very long time to establish this diagnosis because he was avoiding it for a long time and this is something you can relate to as you watch because there is so much stigma associated with the subject of mental health that Mm -hmm. even when people are not feeling at their best they avoid getting the help that they need because they're afraid so they suffer and we saw Ian suffer and suffer we saw how it affected him and how it affected and I personally think that he had had it for a very long time it's not quite conclusive it's but if that's part of the reason why he was still sleeping with other people in random areas and streets anywhere you know and for Ian, his own situation was hereditary. He inherited it from his mom. You know, so it's not like the others that are struggling with alcohol addiction or things like that. He didn't ask to have a bipolar disorder and he has it. He, not that they ask for it, but he needs medication for his own. There's no medication that treats alcoholism, as far as I know. You have to get into therapy and do work and do the steps and all of that. And here's Ian. And he was probably not academically inclined like the other siblings. But he had such a great work ethic. And he was dedicated. And he was very hardworking. And I believe... That he had some good strengths that could have helped him shape his life as well. But again, I said, the emotional dysregulation. They are not able to manage the emotions. And then, of course, him having the mental health problem. He would often make decisions that are rash and detrimental quickly. He could have hung in there and finished high school but he didn't and he rushed off and joined the army and then his spirals began and he got kicked out and it was just hard for him from that you see how hard it is to make a way from such a community you also see the effects of social capital the kind of school you go to the kind of community you grow up how that can be a limiting factor to what you're able to access in life and for Ian a lot of that kept him down and for Ian aside from his mental health challenge he also had to struggle with homophobia now his father wasn't homophobic but the father of the guy he loved was homophobic so struggling with coming to that acceptance and people accepting you for who you are, someone not dating you in secret, I need to let you know, if someone is treating you like a dirty secret, your self-esteem will take a big blow. You might not be able to take that hit, you might not be able to survive it. And this is not just about the sexuality and the homophobic thing you can be in a heterosexual relationship with someone and if they're hiding you they're keeping you a secret they can't even hold your hand in public they don't even say your name out loud they don't even save your number on the phone you guys just meet in dark alleys at night and it's not mutual you want something more and they're treating you like that your self-esteem will take a hit so in that situation you're responsible for yourself you don't allow someone to treat you like that you remove yourself from that situation and so he, he, i i was happy when i'd see him stand up for himself and say look if you can't stand up to your dad then you're a coward and i don't want to be with a coward i could respect that but like i said he stood a chance and that happened um of course there's also the younger boy carl carl's character starts off with him having a lot of issues he's having issues where it's looking like He could get a diagnosis for conduct disorder. He is getting in fights, beating people up, stealing from schoolmates, skipping school, wanting to join bad gangs. I mean, so much going on. And, you know, he was killing animals. He was experimenting with animals. And all of this was happening. And the family was so unaware of it they didn't even know what he was doing i mean it's not that they weren't seeing him they knew he was odd but there was no attention all the attention was almost always on frank or the mum you know these characters that are in their throes of addiction and very narcissistic taking all of the attention and nobody has time to pay attention to the kids and pay enough attention to notice that this might not be okay and we had a lot of that going on with Carl now of course as the story goes down and deeper we get to see a change in him where he wants Carl even goes to juvie I miss that part I mean he was really on his way to probably even ending up in prison And you have a father like Frank Gallagher, where if you get into jail or anything like that, he will say, that's good. You are representing the Gallagher family really well. He will commend his children for bad behavior. So Carl wanted to go to military school and straighten up his ways and things. I was happy when they started rewriting his character in that way. And uh, as at season 11 he was working with the police or something so but Carr as well did not finish high school and he wasn't doing so well he wasn't very academically inclined you know at school but still you know if it was a family where there was support and love and the family was stable they would have found his area something that he excels at and they would have supported him in that finally we have Liam the last child that seems to be forgotten a lot you know when you're the youngest in that kind of place in that house something is always happening something's always going and someone is getting prison. someone's getting locked up there's so much drama always going on in the family And Liam always ends up being forgotten. So I started talking about Fiona's own issues and before I went into the other children and like I said all of them struggle with codependency but they really spent quite a bit of time depicting that with Fiona. Fiona will always choose men that were not very good lovers, not very dependable. Like the first guy that we got to see her with in the show for like the first three seasons. That love interest, despite all his nice gestures and everything, he was living a double life and he lied to her a lot. He told so many lies and ultimately even if he was a nice guy, you can't be with someone that cannot be honest with you. You just can't. And it hurt her so much to the core. You know, because she has a father that is a liar. A father that is not dependable. And somehow she ended up with a man like that. The other guy she gets into something serious with, he was also living a double life in the sense that he was hiding his alcohol addiction from her i mean he did tell her he's an addict but when he had started doing the drugs again the heroin and everything he didn't mention it and they were going to get married and then just when she was doing fine you know pushing herself learning how to be selfish although she kind of took it to the extreme you know people that didn't learn this thing properly they didn't learn as kids so they didn't know what boundaries were and then when they find out what boundaries are they don't put boundaries they put fences so they just go from one extreme to the other so when she started trying to be selfish because she realized that she had not necessarily been codependent like she didn't know that word but she started to realize that she had given up so much for her family and for what by this time her brother then go to college even though she was forcing him to he had you know dropped out and stuff and she said you know what i'm going to start investing in myself know she kind of thought that because she didn't go to college nothing good would come out of her life now so let her just try and support her siblings so that maybe they could go and that would be good enough but when she saw that all those efforts are coming to nothing she started to channel her energy back into herself you know she took her she went she took on a loan bought a property started taking care of it and things like that she got into property management and things like that and she was doing really well she even got into a relationship that seemed like he was healthy and then she found out that the guy was living a double life and that was kind of where she fell off because when she found out she when she found out she drank got into a crash and ruined her car so she now had to pay for the car and she was having issues with the building. Like so much was happening to her at the same time. But again, if she could have been able to better regulate her emotions, now I'm not saying she couldn't have been hurt, but she could have probably parked her car somewhere, taken an Uber home because she wasn't, or told a friend to come pick her up because she wasn't in the mental frame to be driving a car in that state you know she could have done that better it was also codependency that led her to take on the burden so young I think at the age of 21 she decided to be the sole legal guardian of her siblings and I think making that choice is part of the reasons that she ended up in jail when her brother Liam kind of overdosed on some drugs that some drugs that she found laying aside when Fiona finally got a good guy that loved her properly, she didn't know what to do with it. This is something that happens often with people that have been abused or grew up in abusive homes or have never really gotten that love from their parents. This is a strong, core wound. When they do meet people that love them, they self sabotage. And that's what she did. She started a relationship with her boss and she sleeps with his brother who was also an addict so I mean when Fiona finally decided to just leave town and travel somewhere I mean ultimately in real life she was leaving the shameless show for good and we didn't get to see her in season 11 but what that said to me was she was choosing herself for the very first time ever. She was choosing herself, not in a way of rebellion or in a way of like, you know, getting back a family or anything like that. She was just choosing herself, choosing herself for the very first time. And it almost seemed like the only way that she could make a way for herself was to just get out of that town. The Shameless Show takes a critical look at instances that could happen in toxic family dynamics. You see issues of abuse, generational trauma cycles, how these things keep repeating itself, repetition, compulsion, doing the same thing over and over. We also get a window into what can happen if severe issues like bipolar disorder is not properly managed. In the case of their mom and how she died by suicide. There are other topics that are explored here things like racism, feminism. Taking a look at the relationship between Veronica and Kevin, we see a. Couple of two races, black and white, um, also raising biracial children, and the kind of conversations that they had to go through, you know, and the kind of struggles. I mean, Shameless is a very eye-opening show. They take a, an interesting view in how they carry out these conversations and dialogue on these very heavy topics things like racism how it's institutionalized and when they look at gangs and the kind of socioeconomic factors that let that let that proliferate in certain communities and then how they look at how difficult it can be for a low income close to poverty line or even below poverty line household to even try to have children you can see in this situation when Veronica finds out that because of an untreated ST she developed pelvic inflammatory disease and then as a result she could not have children and for somebody this poor living in that kind of neighborhood you know you're not going to be able to adopt a child And then when you're this poor, you can't even be thinking about IVF. How are you going to afford that? Not to talk of uh, someone carrying your baby via surrogacy. You see her having her mom sleep. You see her having her mom sleep with her husband to have a child. It was just... It was bizarre strange, uncanny. However, when you think about the situation, the economic situation, you can see how plausible that kind of scenario could be. Kev and Veronica also served as a way for them to explore the concept of polyamory and polyamorous relationships. When they started dating the Russian Svetlana when they started dating her and I liked how they wrote her character from just being this cheap whore that is an illiterate to someone that was really smart and was basically siphoning their money and trying to steal all their money from them because she knew all the math and knew where all the money and all the accounts and everything were so... That was a different angle they took and I liked, I like that it gave her character that level of strength. When a show goes through 11 seasons, there are different paths it can take. And sure we will like Shameless. Not only do we get to see the impacts of generational trauma, the cycles of addiction the cycles of horrible parenting and how inner child wounds can proliferate and just continue to grow beyond proportions we also take an external view and society as a whole we see impacts of classism social capital how your environment can shape how you turn out your chances at life in this world we take a look at things like homophobia sexuality equality of the sexes through discussions on feminism equal pay representation and i have to say after 11 seasons Shameless is a really great show. And the writers behind it did a really good job. Now, if I'm being honest, I think the final season was a tad bit weak. It wasn't the strongest writing. It wasn't the best that they had to offer. They had given us better and... At this point it's starting to seem like a thing, where really good shows have weak endings and rushed endings. Endings to just make you feel like it was time and they just wanted to get it over with. So with that being said, I highly recommend Shameless. I recommend Shameless with some words of caution, Shameless like I said deep show however there is quite a lot of profanity here and a lot of nudity the writers and directors try to make the story as realistic as possible and I can appreciate that now in that kind of environment it's not unusual to, to see that profanity and language especially how they're used around kids is being done in that situation because of course it mirrors the reality of growing up in such a dysfunctional environment and so i do recommend shameless and i do hope that you picked on on some of these lessons that we've discussed and you take away some vital insights that you can apply to your life Like I always say, until next time, I love you, love yourself too, goodbye.